0: John preaching and baptizing. Part 11. Jesus visits certain inns, the halting places of the Holy Family, on their flight into Egypt. Jesus had spent his nights alone and in prayer. Upon leaving the shepherds, he addressed his disciples, telling them that he was now going to make another journey to some people who had previously sheltered him and his parents on their flight, that he would cure their sick and convert a sinner that no footstep of his holy parents should remain unblessed, and that everyone who had shown them compassion and kindness on their flight, he would now seek out and lead to salvation. The mercy and benevolence of all such persons have been to them a pledge and a furtherance of salvation. Their effects will continue forever. As now, he said, he was visiting all that had at that time shown charity to him and his. So would his heavenly Father be mindful of all that showed mercy and charity to even the most insignificant of his brethren. Jesus then appointed a place near the city and Mount Ephraim, where his disciples were to await his coming. He now journeyed alone around Herod's dominions towards the desert near Enon, or Enzenim, a few hours from the Dead Sea. His way lay through a wild. Though terribly fertile region, where, hedged in by enclosures, were pastured a great many camels divided into droves of forty. There was an inn for the accommodation of travelers through the desert, and to it Jesus went. Several huts and sheds stood nearby, and the proprietors of the inn owned many camels. This inn was the last in Herod's dominions met by the Holy Family on their flight into Egypt. The people were a bad set who carried on thievery, but notwithstanding, they had received the holy family kindly. The neighboring city contained many disorderly characters who had settled there after some war. Jesus went to the inn and asked hospitality. The proprietor was a man about 50 years old called Reuben, who had been there at the time of the flight into Egypt. When Jesus glanced at him and addressed him, Grace shot like a ray of light into his breast. The words of Jesus and his salutation fell upon him like a blessing. And deeply moved, he exclaimed, Lord, it is as if the promised land enters with thee into my house. Jesus replied that if he would believe in the promise, it would not cast away from him its fulfillment. He would indeed share in the promised land. Then he spoke of good works and their consequences telling him that he had now come to announce salvation to him, because he had kindly entertained his mother and his foster father so many years before when on their flight to Egypt. In like manner does every action, the good as well as the bad, bear its own fruit. At these words of Jesus, man cast himself trembling on the ground before him, saying, Lord, whence is this to me, a poor, despised, miserable man, that thou shouldst enter my house. Jesus answered that he had come to cleanse sinners from their iniquity and lead them back to God. The man still spoke of his own baseness and said that all the inhabitants of the place belonged to a miserable, lost generation. He also told Jesus of his poor, sick grandchildren. Jesus replied that if he would believe in him and be baptized, he would restore his grandchildren to health. He washed Jesus' feet and gave him the best he had for his refreshment. When the neighbors came in, he told them who Jesus was and what he had promised. He had a relative among them who was named Ishak Sacher. After that, he conducted Jesus to his sick grandchildren who, some from leprosy and some from lameness, had become quite deformed. Jesus commanded the children to rise, and they stood up cured. He visited some women also, who were sick of a bloody flux. Then he ordered a bath to be prepared. They got ready a large vessel of water under a tent. From one of the two flasks that he carried with him, strapped to his side under his outer robe, he poured into it some of the baptismal water from the Jordan, and blessed the whole. The sick were then ordered to bathe in it. They did so, and came forth cleansed in thanking the Lord. Jesus did not baptize them himself, although this washing was equivalent to baptism in case of death, but he exhorted them to go seek for the baptism at the Jordan. When the people questioned Jesus, asking if the Jordan really possessed special virtue, he answered that the channel of the Jordan had been hollowed out and its course directed, that all holy places of this land had been allotted to special purposes by his heavenly Father long before man had existed there, Yea even before the land or the Jordan had sprung forth from nothing. Very wonderful things spoke Jesus on this subject, and he instructed the women on marriage inculcating modesty and continency. He pronounced the degeneracy of the people of this place and the pitiful condition of the children, consequences of the illegitimate connections so common among them. He spoke of the parents' share in the corruption of their children, of arresting the evil by penance and satisfaction, and of the second birth in baptism. Then he recounted to them all the kind offices they had performed for the holy family at the time of their flight, and gave them some information relative to the places at which they had rested and refreshed themselves. Mary and Joseph had with them on their flight a she-ass, as well as the ass upon which the Blessed Virgin rode. Jesus showed the people all their actions at the time of the flight. That is, all the acts of kindness they had shown the Holy Family as so many types of their present turning from sin to salvation. They prepared for the Lord a repast from the best they had. It consisted of a kind of milk, thick like white cheese, honey, rolls baked in the ashes, grapes, and birds. Accompanied by some of these men, Jesus left Anon, and, returning by another route, arrived toward evening at a city built on both sides of a mountain, through which ran a rugged valley full of deep ravines. Both mountain and city bore the name of Ephraim, or Ephron. The mountain faced straight toward Gaza. Jesus had come through the country of Hebron. At some distance from the road that he traveled, could be described a ruined city with a tower still standing, whose names sound like Malaga. Note, probably is bent of Josephus Flavius. About an hour's distance from this place was the grove Mambrae, where the angels bore to Abraham the promise of a son, Isaac. Also the double cave that Abraham bought from Ephron, the Hethite, and which afterward formed his tomb. The field that witnessed David's combat with Goliath was not far off. Jesus, his escort having taken leave, wended his way around one side of the double city, and met his disciples in the rugged valley road, which had been designated by him as the place of meeting. He conducted them out of the winding ravine into a very spacious cave in the wildest part of the mountain, to which no path led. It afforded a resting place, the sixth in order, to the holy family on their flight into Egypt. And here Jesus and his disciples passed the night. Jesus told this circumstance to the disciples, impressing upon them the sacred character of the place while they were busying themselves making a fire. They struck a light by revolving one piece of wood inside another. One of the prophets had frequently spent some time in this cave in order to give himself more unreservedly to prayer. I think it was Samuel, David too, while guarding his father's flocks around here had made the cave a place of prayer, and there received commands of God through. The Ministry of Angels It was while thus engaged that he was admonished to slay Goliath. When the holy family reached this cave, they were dejected and exhausted. The Blessed Virgin wept sadly. They were in want of all things, because they had fled by unfrequented ways, Shutting the great cities and customary inns they spent a whole day here recruiting their strength and several wonders were vouchsafed for them for their refreshment a fountain sprang up in the cave and a wild goat bounded in and allowed itself to be milked jesus spoke to the disciples of the great tribulations in store for him and all his followers of the hardships here endured by himself and his blessed mother of the mercy of his heavenly father and of the holiness of the place. He added that at some future day there will be a church built on the spot, and he blessed the cave as if consecrating it. The disciples had brought with them some fruit and rolls, and of them all partook. Part twelve Jesus goes toward Maspha to visit a relative of Saint Joseph. When Jesus and his disciples left the cave, they struck off in the direction of Bethlehem. On this side of Ephron, They entered an inn that stood among houses built apart and there after washing their feet took some refreshment the people were good and somewhat inquisitive jesus instructed them on penance the nearness of redemption and of what they must do to follow him they asked him why his mother took that long journey from nazareth to bethlehem since she could have been so comfortably cared for at home Jesus answered by telling them the promise that he was to be born in poverty at Bethlehem among the shepherds, since like a shepherd he was to gather the flocks together. It was also for this same reason that now, after his heavenly Father's testimony of him, he visited these shepherd regions first. From here, Jesus turned his steps to the south side of Bethlehem, about two hours distant, crossed a portion of the shepherd valley, and proceeded around the west side of the city, leaving Joseph's paternal house to the right. Toward evening, he entered the now little city of Masfa, some hours from Bethlehem. Masfa could be seen at a great distance, for on the high roads all around this city burned lights and iron lanterns, it was encompassed by walls and towers, and traversed by several streets. Masfa was long one of the principal places of devotion. Judas Maccabius had before battle held here a great prayer meeting, in which he reminded Almighty God of all the outrageous decrees of the enemy, recalled to him his own promises, and exposed the priestly garments before the assembled multitude. Then five angels appeared to him before the city and promised him victory. It was here also that Israel had assembled against the tribe of Benjamin, on account of an outrage and murder committed upon the wife of a traveling Levite. The infamous scene was enacted under a tree, which was afterward walled around, and no one went near it. In Massah, also Samuel, had exercised his office of judge, and here was found that Asinian cloister in which dwelt Menahem, who had foretold the scepter to Herod, when the latter was only a boy. This cloister had been built by the Asinian chariot, who lived about one hundred years before Christ. He was a married man from the country of Jericho. He had separated from his wife and both, he for men and she for women, had founded several communities of Asinians. He was a very holy man and died in a cloister founded by him not far from Bethlehem. He was the first to arise from his tomb at the death of Christ and appear to men. Maspha was full of inns, and the arrival of a stranger was soon noised about the city. Consequently, Jesus had scarcely entered the inn when he was surrounded by a crowd. He was conducted to the synagogue, where he explained the law. Some of his hearers were spies, whose intentions were insincere. They sought to draw him out, because they had heard of his promise to lead the heathens also into the kingdom of God, and that he had spoken among the shepherds about the three kings. Jesus' words on this occasion were very severe. He said that the days of the promise were completed, and that all who would be born again in baptism would believe in him whom the Father had sent, and would keep his commandments, should as well as his followers have a share in the kingdom. But from the unbelieving Jews should the promise be withdrawn and given over to the heathens. I cannot repeat Jesus' words exactly, but they were to this effect. That he knew their intentions, that they were spies, that they might betake themselves to Jerusalem, and there tell all they had heard him say. Jesus had alluded to Judas Maccabeus and the several important events that had here taken place. His hearers boasted the magnificence of the temple and the superiority of the Jews over the heathens. But Jesus explained to them that the end for which the chosen people had been called and their temple erected was now attained since the one promised by God through the prophets was now come to establish the kingdom of his heavenly Father and to raise to him a new temple. After this instruction, Jesus left Maspha and went about an hour eastward. He reached first a row of houses, then came to a residence that stood alone and which belonged to one of Joseph's family. Joseph's father had married a widow with one son, The stepson had married and settled in this place, and his descendants now occupied the house alluded to. They had been baptized and had a family of children. They received Jesus cordially with every mark of deference. Several of the neighbors assembled at the house. Jesus gave an instruction, after which he partook of a repast with them. The meal over, he retired with two of the men, Amminadab and Manassas. They questioned him, as to whether he was acquainted with their circumstances and whether they should follow him right away. Jesus replied, No, that they should for the present be numbered among his secret disciples. Then they knelt before him, and he blessed them. Prior to his death, they publicly joined the disciples. Jesus stayed here overnight. Part 13 Jesus visits an inn at which Mary stopped on her journey to Bethlehem. From here, Jesus and his disciples went on for a couple of hours, till they came to a farmhouse, which had been the last stopping place, but one on Mary's journey to Bethlehem. It may have been about four hours distant from the city. The men of the house came out to meet Jesus, and falling down before him on the road, begged him to enter. He was very cordially received. His people went almost daily to John's instructions, and were all familiar with the wonders connected with the Lord's baptism. A warm bath was prepared for Jesus, also repast, and a beautiful couch was made ready for him that night. Jesus taught here. The woman who had harbored the Holy Family here thirty years ago was still alive, but she was blind and had been for many years almost bent double. She lived alone in the main building, and her children, who lived nearby, sent her her food. When Jesus had performed his ablutions, he went to see the poor old woman. He spoke to her of compassion and hospitality, of good works that bear no merit, and of selfishness, placing her present afflictions before her as a punishment of the same. She was deeply touched, confessed her fault, and he cured her. He ordered her to bathe in the water he had just used. She did so, recovered her sight, and became straight and well. But Jesus commanded her to say nothing of her cure. The people of this place questioned Jesus, as to which was the greater, he or John. Jesus answered, He of whom John gives testimony. Then they spoke of John's zeal and energy, also of the beautiful manly figure of Jesus himself. Jesus remarked that, three and a half years hence, they would see no beauty in him. They would not even recognize him. So disfigured would he be. Of John's zeal and energy he spoke, likening him to one knocking at the house of a sleeping man, to rouse him for the coming of the Lord, to one breaking a path through the wilderness, that the king might safely travel over it, and lastly to an impetuous torrent, that rushing along purifies the channel through which it flows. Part 14. Behold the Lamb of God. Next morning at daybreak, Jesus departed with his disciples, followed by the crowd that had gathered around him. They wandered their way toward the Jordan, distant from this point at least three hours. The Jordan flows through a broad valley that rises on either bank for the distance of about half an hour. The stone in the enclosed space around the Ark of the Covenant had rested, and where the recent festival was celebrated was about an hour's distant from John's place of baptism. That is, taking it in a straight line toward Jerusalem, John's hut near the twelve stones was in direction of beth Araba, and somewhat more to the south than the stone of the Ark of the Covenant. The twelve stones lay one half hour from the place of baptism, in the direction of Gilgal. Gilgal was on a gentle slope on the west side of the mountain. From John's baptismal pool, the view up both the shores, which were very fertile, was most lovely The most delightful region, however, rich in fruits and teeming with abundance, was around the Sea of Galilee. But here, and also around Bethlehem, there were broader meadowlands, more husbandry, and a great abundance of dura, garlic, and cucumbers. Jesus had already passed the memorial stone of the Ark of the Covenant and was about one quarter of an hour beyond John's tent, before which the latter stood teaching. A gap in the valley disclosed the scene to the distant traveller and Jesus, in passing, was for not longer than a couple of minutes visible to the Baptist. John was seized by the Spirit, and pointing to Jesus, he cried out, Behold the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sins of the world. Jesus passed, preceded and followed by his disciples in groups. The multitude lately gathered around him in the rear. It was early morning. The people crowded forward at the words of John, but Jesus had already disappeared. They called after him in acclamations of praise, but he was out of hearing. When returned from their fruitless attempt to see Jesus, the people complained to John that Jesus had so many followers, and that, as they had heard, his disciples had already begun to baptize. What, they asked, would be the outcome of all that. John made answer by repeating that he would soon resign his place to Jesus, since he was only a servant and precursor. These words were not at all acceptable to John's followers, who were somewhat jealous of Jesus' disciples. Jesus now directed his steps toward the northwest, leaving Jericho on the right and proceeding to Gilgal, about two hours distant from Jericho. He stopped at many places on the way. The children followed him, singing songs of praise, and ran into the houses to bring their parents out.